0: To be Mindfully You with your host Brenna gatimo Man do I love that song. It's one of my favorites and today we're going to see um, oh, how we're doing without this microphone y'all. I uh, forgot one of my plugins. It's been a thing but um, I just wanted to kind of pop on here today and take the time to discuss that um cancer diagnosis um that seems to be the biggest eye grabber for a lot of people that at the young ripe age of 32 years old that being diagnosed towards the end or in the midst of everything with covid was a very interesting time in my life and has been for the last year and a half for me so uh, let's get to it so at the very beginning um In, I think, September or October-ish time, I was laying in bed, and it was placed in my mind that, oh, when was the last time that I had a brush check? And I haven't had, at that point, hadn't had a brush check since during the time of my pregnancy. Probably the biggest or at the beginning part of my pregnancy for my third son. And that was like early 2018, like June, July. Maybe we couldn't even call it early, but June, July. So mid-year 2018 was probably the last time that I had a breast check given to me by a doctor. So I decided to listen to that voice inside of my head that told me to check my breast, and so I did and I found a lump in my left breast and it was closer to like what they would call like two or three o'clock on the breast. And, um, and when I say two or three o'clock, I mean like when you're looking, like when you're looking straight at somebody and you're looking at them from a clockwise standpoint. So it's close to the armpit areas, two and three o'clock anyways, problem, little thing I just went off on, but whatever. But, um, so I found something and I looked at my husband and I said, do you feel this? Like, please tell me it's not in my imagination. Like, I think this is super important. I need to Check this out. And so he says, Nope, no, I can feel it. And I'm like, Okay, so there's definitely something there. He's like, Yeah, there's definitely something there. So, needless to say, I wake up the next morning and I am, you know, distracted. I'm a mom of three kids, I have um, a one year old. At this point, you know, we're, we're, we've got the almost four year, almost three year old, the, um, four, four, four and a half year old, you know, like we're, we're going like, we're rip roaring, going, doing our thing. Right. And, um, I giggle cause I'm sitting over here going, is that really how old the kids were? Ah, time flies. So anyways, I get busy and I'm going to work and I'm doing my thing and I'm learning this new job that I'm doing. And I, it dawns on me, oh my gosh, I need to get a brush check. So a couple weeks pass and I'm like, okay. I call in, this is the beginning of October. I go in, I get the brush check and I'm like, okay, cool. They're like, we'll send a referral. I'm like, okay. So normally when you send a referral over, they get the referral, they call you to set up an appointment. Well, I didn't hear anything from them. So this is probably like a month later. So four weeks again has passed by and I go to bed on November 1st and I wake up November 2nd and I like take off my nightgown shirt and I turn and look in the mirror and I look down and I'm going, oh my God, what in the world is that? And my breast now doctors have laughed at me because of this description but i am not kidding you my breast was like a 20 year old breast versus a 30 year old breast and um and i would say like 30 year old breast with three kids breastfed on that breast like It was night and day difference. Like I looked at the doctor and I was like, seriously, I felt like I had my 20 20 year old titty back because it was massive and swollen, but it was red and tingly. And um, I was like, oh my God, something's freaking wrong. So I called the imaging place and I said, did you get my referral? Oh yeah, we got your referral. And I'm like, nobody's called me. I said, and I need to get in. And she was like, what? And I'm like, yes. Like, I have all these physical traits that are happening on my breast. Like, I need to get in. So she gets me in two days later, November 4th, the morning of the 4th. And I'm like, okay, sweet. I've, you know, get in there. I'm listening to them. They're like, hey, we're going to do an ultrasound first on you because we don't want to just, like, do something and then um, not have to do the... Um, mammogram. If we don't have to, you know, we don't want to put your body through that. And I'm like, all right, cool. Like no big deal. That's great. Works for me. So we are, you know, doing our thing they do the ultrasound. Yeah. It looks suspicious. We need to do the mammogram. Okay, cool. So they do the mammogram and she's like making comments about my, um, nipple and it's being it's intro or inverted is what they call it has it always been like that no okay well i will make note for that for the radiologist and the doctors as well too and i said okay great thank you so they do the mammogram they send me home um the next morning november 5th i get a phone call from the lady who i think is an np for the obgyn's office and she says um, Brenna, we definitely need to get you in with the general surgeon. I'm sending over the referral, and I said, "Okay, well, last time they didn't send like the the referral was sent over, but they never called me. So how long should I wait until they um, they call me?" And she says, "I would not wait past tomorrow at noon." And I said, "Okay, cool. So this is November 6th at noon," and she sends the referral over, and I. Um, sit there and I wait. And it's Friday, November 6th. And I'm waiting and waiting and 10 o'clock hits. And I'm like, you know what? Most doctor offices in Casper close at noon, especially if they're privately owned. So I think it's probably best if I call them. So I started calling and the lady says, well, you know, we're not going to be able to get it. We did receive the referral, but nobody's able to look at it, you know, blah, 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 like all this stuff that they're telling me. Right. So I... I'm sitting there thinking to myself okay well listen I, I need you to take down these notes because I think this is really important I said I'm 32 years old my breast has dramatically changed from normal one one day on Sunday to abnormal Monday morning, something is going on. Um, they've done the mammogram and now they've referred me for a biopsy. Like I need to get in and I need to talk to the doctor ASAP. And so she takes down all the information and she's going through the whole thing with me. And, um, they called me back later that afternoon. Can you come in, you know, Monday, Monday, At 9 a or you know on November 9th and I said yes absolutely I will be there so I informed my boss like what was going on and um, they were like okay no problem so I went in on Monday met with a general surgeon absolutely phenomenal man. I just adore him, he was the sweetest, most wonderful, caring person ever, and he says yes on a scale of one to five, and this is how they rank things, and it's very interesting because as a social worker, um, we rank things like that as well too, we really, really love surveys and scales, and that way it it takes out the bias and like all the stuff, right, so I'm I'm like, okay, I got it, scale rise, right? So one to five, five being cancerous, one being no risk, no nothing, zero chance of anything. He says your mammogram is at a four, which is highly, highly suspicious. And I'm like, well, great. And in my head, I'm thinking they're ranking it a four because they can't say it's cancerous unless they have the pathology. But I would bet you money it's, 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 it's this is probably what I'm looking at, right? So these are the thoughts that go through my head. So that's the 9th, November 13th, they get the biopsy scheduled. I go in on a Friday afternoon, um get the biopsy done. I'm resting and I watch body language and people's mannerisms um for a living. Like this is what I do. Like you get used to reading people and seeing people and knowing what it is that they're going um You know, like you you can just tell that something's different, but they don't want to say. But then you think about it from a medical standpoint. How many ultrasounds, how many many, um, biopsies, how many things have these people looked at and seen all day, every day? This is what they do. And I'm like processing this, right? And going going about it, and just processing and sitting on it, I get I'm you know relaxing. It's now Saturday afternoon, and we're having dinner with some friends of ours, and I'm just sitting there thinking, I have cancer. I know that this is cancer, and I look at my husband, and I look at my friends, and I said. I'm going to say this out loud, and you guys know me. I'm not going to say this lightly, and I'm not going to be shy about it. And whatever it is, like we'll get through it. But I have cancer. This is cancer. I know that it's cancer in my body. And yes, still today, a year and a half later, and I'm still choked up because those words are so life-altering and we'll you know get through that but I just want this over overall view of like what went through for a timeline because not all of our timelines are like this either and I'll get into that because that's a soapbox moment. but I literally just looked at my friends and I said, it's cancer. like I, I just know and I'm stating it and and it tells me in the gut and my friend looked at me and said, okay, why do you say that? And I said, you know, from your profession, watching people, knowing people, hearing about people, seeing people, you just know when their body language tells you. And he says, say no more. I completely understand. I said, they know what they're looking at. Whether they want to say it or not, they know what they're looking at. Legally, they can't tell me because they're the techs or the radiate, the radiologist, whatever, but they know what they're looking at and I know. I could see it in their body language and the way that they were looking at things and the way that they were talking to me and trying to distract me. I, you can just feel it in the room. It, it's cancer. And I said, if it's not, I will celebrate the hell out of it and just move forward and be so grateful that this isn't what it is, what isn't what I thought it is. But if it is, we'll figure it out going forward from here, the same way we do everything else. So, fast forward to Thursday, Thursday, November 19th, 2020. And I am at work, and I'm just like, oh, I just wish they would call me. Like, I seriously can't do this. Like, oh, my gosh. And I, oh, man, just like my anxiety was there, like all this stuff. And I am doing work, and I'm covering for my coworker in a room that we have there at the school. And I get the phone call from the doctor's office, and I have one student in the room, and I'm listening to this phone call, and I answer, and I'm like, hello, this is Brenna, and he says, hi, Brenna, um, it's Dr. So-and-so, and I said, hi, doctor, how are you, and he says, I'm doing well, how are you, I said, "I'm best that I can be. Um, he says, well, we got the, the, the results back from the biopsy. And I said, okay, he says, Brenna, it is a form of breast, breast cancer. We don't know what type I need to do a lumpectomy. So that way we can send that off to pathology and figure out what type it is. And we also need to check your lymph nodes, so we're going to do a lymph node dissection. And he explained what that process was, and explained the process of the lymph, the lymph or the lumpectomy. And I said, okay. And I'm furiously taking notes, right? And I, um, he says, I know that you know we that you're wanting you're anxious and you're wanting to get this done. He says we can do it, you know, November 25th, or we can wait for a couple weeks. And I said, no, no, I don't. I don't want to wait. And he goes, I kind of figured. So let's get you scheduled November 25th at the hospital, you know, and they'll call you for the scheduling and my nurse will get a hold of, you know, blah, blah, blah. So here we are. I get off the phone. I've handled the news and I'm shaking and I'm just sitting there trying to think, oh my God. My gut was right. I have cancer growing in my body. Okay. And at first I was like, okay, I got to go. I got I to gotta do something. I got to go. And I'm like pacing back and forth. And I'm trying not to let the student see me cry. And luckily the, the, the divider was up. So I call for my colleague and I said, hi, and she says, what's up? I said, are you able to come up? She says, yep. In a couple minutes I can. I said, perfect. That'll be perfect. And so she comes up and I tell her what's going on and, um, I didn't tell her like all of it, but I, I said, I've, I've got to step out. I need to take a break and I need to go hide in my office for a few minutes. And, um, I said, I'll, I'll be back, but I just, this is, this is just what I got to do. And, um, she says, wait, what's wrong? And I like, that's all it took. The floodgates open. I told her that the biopsy came back, that it was breast cancer and come to find out that this amazing colleague of mine was also diagnosed a year ago with, with breast cancer. And, um, she tells me whatever you need, you know, all the stuff. And I, and I was, thank you so much. You know, um, I just need a little bit of time to myself. And she's like, okay. So I go down and I talk to my boss. I said, I need time in my office. And she's like, what's going on? And I, you know, she grabs me and h- hugs me, and I just lost it in her arms. And I said, It's cancer. This is what I'm doing, blah, 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 blah. I just need a few minutes in my office. And she says, No, you don't. You need to go home. So I went home, and I was super glad that I listened to her and took the time. And I called, you know, my people, and informed them of what it was and what the next steps were. And you know, blah, 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 and so the 25th of November in 2020, for those of you that haven't put it together, is the day before Thanksgiving, and um, I uh, did the lumpectomy because I was off of work that day, and it doesn't count against me being a new staff at the school district. You know, you worry about time off and about all those things because it jeopardizes your job, and it's, well, and let me restate that. I feel as if it jeopardizes, jeopardizes things, you know, um, not that it actually does, but during that time of COVID and the mandatory quarantining and all that stuff, it impacts your job and your ability to do your job and the time off that you have to take and all this stuff. So I had already had to quarantine that first week in November because of a daycare, um, exposure and positive COVID tests. And it was a Royal pain in the rompus, you know, but you do what you got to do. So I had already felt like, Oh God, we have this now I have this, you know, so it's not that it's jeopardizing it, but it's, it's really hard to get your, Ooh, excuse me, your job done when you have to quarantine and then when you're in quarantine you can't you can't see kids and I'm the only one in the school that does my job so it's just you know round around about whatever so I was grateful that they could get me in the day before Thanksgiving because I didn't have to work I was off of work and so November 25th um, they do the lumpectomy do the lymph node dissection December 7th I go in So that's like a week and a half later, I go in, a little bit more than a week and a half, but whatever, Um, I go in and I see the doctor and he comes back with the pathology. He informs me that it is PR positive, ER positive, HER2 positive, and this out of all forms of breast cancer that someone could have is the most hopeful and the best kind of breast cancer you can have because, because of the treatment options being at a rate of 97% cure rate. Um so if a person gets breast cancer that's the kind of breast cancer you want because they have a chemo that literally addresses it and the the percent of women surviving is really freaking high. So I was like okay through this whole process you guys oh and let me let me back up just a little bit. PR positive, ER positive is progesterone receptor positive, estrogen receptor positive, and HER2 positive um, is and I'll get to that as well too. So HER2 positive is a protein. It's a protein that grows on the cancer cells and it signals the cells to grow faster. So it makes it aggressive. Um, The estrogen receptor positive and progesterone receptor positive basically states that your hormones in your body are feeding the cancer cells as well too. Um, and so I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, you know, all right, now that I have this, I got to figure all this stuff out. And it's funny. I stopped myself from the last thing I stated. And now I don't remember where I was going with it, but I'm sure it'll come back around. So he tells me that because the lymph node, one of the two lymph nodes that was taken out was positive, means that chemo now has to be done. So referrals has been made to oncology. Um, they're going to do a port placement surgery. So he does the port placement surgery the following week, I believe on the 15th of December, if I'm remembering this correctly. And I meet with the chemo docs, I think, I think December 14th, I did a PET scan, and then December 17th, I met with the the oncology team, and um, here in Casper, because I told my husband and I told my parents that through this process, I will be more than willing to do everything I can possibly at home as long as that's the correct thing, but something... See, I told I was going to go back to my thought. <laughs> Something was still sitting in my gut that it wasn't the correct thing. So when you Google, and this is what's so terrible about, about, about Google, you can find things and it'll tell you all this crazy crap and it's scary and all this stuff, right? And I was really trying to fight off the, like, the urge to Google anything until I had the hard concrete facts. Um, but I somebody, a nurse friend asked me about inflammatory breast cancer and they didn't say anything about IBC. That's what they call it. Inflammatory breast cancer, IBC. And I said, no, nobody said anything about IBC. Oh, okay. And I'm like, why is this coming up? So I finally decided to Google IBC and I had all the damn symptoms from IBC. And I'm like, oh, Okay, so something in my gut was telling me that not everything has been addressed. So then I meet with medical oncology here in Casper, Um, did not leave satisfied, met with radiation oncology, left satisfied with that doctor, absolutely rave about her. Um, Medical oncology was not my fave, I just really struggled. Um, There was something about it that I just never felt as if I could get a straight answer. So I'm sitting in the office and he says, when do you want to start chemo? And I'm like, mm, like next week. And my mom's like tomorrow. And I said, and he goes, oh, I figured you'd want to wait until after the holidays. This like another two and a half weeks away is after the holidays. And I said, um, no, I would like to get this started. Okay, well, you know, we got to get it approved from insurance and all that stuff. I said, "I that's great. But the sooner we do this, the better it is. So they finally get me scheduled for chemo on December 30th, which is two weeks, you know, a little less than two weeks um, away after these appointments, which I was grateful for. So I meet with the doctor again in January and I've had a total of three appointments with this medical oncologist. And on the third appointment, So my mom didn't feel very good about the first appointment. My husband didn't feel very good about the answers of the second appointment. And on the third appointment, I was by myself. And mind you, amongst all of this, like when I had to go do every procedure, I had to do every procedure by myself. So I'm in the hospital by myself during COVID and it is this it's rough you guys like i can't even explain to you like there's this one place where they had to shoot me up with the this stuff that lights you up and they have to inject it in your nipple and it literally burns like lava and goes all the way seeps down into the breast tissue and lights everything up to guide the surgeon as to where the lymph nodes and stuff are at and i'm like okay but they take you into the dungeon <laughs> of the hospital and I really should call it the basement but it felt like a dungeon it was cold like a dungeon had cement walls like a dungeon and it's back in this little tiny corner it's the craziest place in the entire like entire thing so you go down there and you get injected and then you sit and wait in an outpatient room and then you go back down for the um, imaging and then you come back up and then you go in for surgery and it's you're alone and you just have the strangers of the medical staff that are helping you and it's it's awkward it's very very awkward and then you get out of surgery you wake up by yourself and you go up to your room by yourself and thank god the nurse that was in that was on my service that day that was taking care of me was somebody that I knew and had worked with previously and I was so grateful. Like she knew me after I had had my first son and it was so nice that she was there because at least I had the comfort of knowing somebody during that process. But my brain goes to all of those people who didn't know somebody and didn't have that comfort and that that love and that support, you know, of all the stuff there, you know, it just, you are alone, that is a lonely process. Being diagnosed with cancer is lonely and can be lonely. it's very isolating because so many people don't understand, you know, and they're not going to. And so many people will walk out of your life because they don't want to deal with it and be faced with something head on. And, and, And I get it. I totally freaking get that. But at the same point, it just isolates you further and makes you feel as if something's wrong. So I go went off on a soapbox again. So anyways, so on my third visit, I really, I walked out of that visit with that doctor and was like, and (laughs) I'm done. Um, one of the statements he made when I asked questions because I researched, what do I do for a living? Social worker. I research stuff. I research stuff to teach myself and I research stuff to fact check things. It's what every person should do. You, if you don't feel comfortable with somebody, whether that's a counselor or a doctor or a nurse, you should speak up and, and ask for somebody else and be unapologetic about that. So I left with the statement of you um i make the i'm the one that makes decisions for your case and i was like no you don't no you don't and i called denver and i set up an appointment with a specialist somebody who only works with women 39 and under that are diagnosed with breast cancer so this is all this lady's caseload is made up of is breast cancer patients that are 39 and younger and on top of all of that she also has a specialty in genetics why because there's a genetic factor and i forgot about that one as well too so you every cancer patient goes through a genetic testing and um, because some are gonna have this question, but I did not have any genes. There was one gene that popped up, which is DICER1, I think is what it's called. And that gene only, uh, it's like it, 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 like they don't have any proof, so they're just researching to see. But DICER1 is um, common in children with lymphoma, And I think leukemia is another one, if I remember. Now, don't quote me on that because I can't. It's been a while since I looked it up, but I looked it up. So it's one of those floating genes that um, they're still researching to see if it really causes anything for cancer or if it's just like, uh, you know, it's just a genetic makeup, whatever. So nothing came back in my genetics. And even the doctor at UC Health and the team there didn't state anything about the the genetic makeup either. But I had no other genes. So... My parents and my kids, like nobody had to go and get tested, you know, like all this stuff to ensure that there wasn't something there, which was good to know. So um, because I know that uh, my dad was probably the biggest one worried he's adopted and doesn't have any history about his family whatsoever. And I think that is a biggest fear as a parent to a child that you're passing something on, that it becomes your fault. It's your fault for why your child has this genetic makeup or, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, um, I called them and met with them and like right out the gate, the breast surgeon was like, if I asked my students a textbook, so she asked me to explain what happened in the timeline. So I went through the whole timeline I just did for you guys and explained everything. The day I woke up, what I saw, what I noticed, what happened, what breast changes, all this stuff. And she said, if I had a student um who, who was asked, what does inflammatory breast cancer look like? And she said Your explanation of what happened to you is textbook IBC. And so she explained it to my husband and I, and um, we go through everything, and we listen, and we listen, and we finally are like, okay, my case is now something I'm not comfortable having the, the Casper doctors be the ones calling the shots on everything. And so I it was reaffirmed though, that I was on the correct chemo, that I was doing everything correctly because of the pathology, um, that even with IBC, they would have put me on the same exact chemo, which was really, really good. But it explains why the breast cancer, um, the cancer cells were growing at such a rapid rate. And that was something that the radiation oncologist stated here in Casper was that, On a normal 50 to 60 year old woman, we would see, and it's on the pathology somewhere like the Z76 or high 76 or something like that, that gives it a percentage. Mine was at 50%. She says on a normal breast cancer patient, and I guess define normal, but on A breast cancer patient in their 50s or 60s, that marker on the pathology would be at like 10% or below. And mine was 55%. And what she explained to me was that the cells were growing like doubling and tripling, like constantly at such a high rate that made it so aggressive. So I'll explain this to you. When the doctor went in for the lumpectomy on November 4th, there was one Mass in the mammogram. On November 25th, there were two masses that came out in surgery. On February, in February, I think the 19th is when I went down to UC Health. I don't really remember, but it was in February, middle of February when I went down to meet with them. They did another mammogram to have recent results after I had two rounds of chemo done. And there was a third mass. So between... November 4th and November 25th, another mass showed up. Between November 25th and December 30th, a third mass mass had grown in. And the surgeon in Casper had explained to me that there was a second mass and that both the masses had legs, and he did not know how far deep down it went in. But between the time of surgery and the time that chemo started, I'm like sitting here looking at these dates real quick because, you know, I'm a visual person. So surgery was the 25th. So one, two, three, four, five, five weeks, five weeks, another mass had grown in. That is how aggressive the cancer cells were in my in my left breast. And I go back and I think a lot about this doctor who wanted to push off chemo for another three weeks or the surgeon who was like, we can do it next week or we can wait a couple weeks. You, it, it doesn't make a difference either way. In my journey, that would have made the biggest difference of all. And because I advocated for myself, because I pushed and because I refused to let go of anything, and continuously called and followed up on referrals and did all this stuff to ensure because my body was telling me you have to stay on top of this you have to do this you've got to fight you've got to push you've got to advocate you've got to do all these things and luckily because of those things I was able to get quick medical care and and advocate for what I wanted and I followed my gut and I did all of these things to be able to do that, that I'm sitting here today successfully after my delayed reconstruction, because that's the other thing. Inflammatory breast cancer then determines a different treatment plan because of the aggressiveness. It It's in your skin. Once it's in your skin, it can spread like wildfire throughout your skin because it's one or organ. And so they had to stick me on a, a, a strict protocol. So after chemo was done, four-week wait, surgery, single mastectomy, or if you have the, the cancer in both breasts and they take, it, take both breasts, but I only had it in one. So single mastectomy, delayed reconstruction, they had to take off as much skin as they possibly could, And then it was four weeks rest or three weeks rest. If I could get my arms up to do radiation and then it's six weeks of radiation and radiation is every single day, Monday through Friday for six weeks, you get 30 sessions done. Chemo was only six rounds and thank God I only had to do six rounds because there was talk about making me do eight rounds depending on what the results were from my scans so I was like oh you know sitting there, like please don't make me do eight rounds because chemo was brutal like I I will have to do another talk to just talk about the chemo the rounds and what that was like because it's a lot um it's just so much it wreaks havoc on your body there's just it's just a lot but that was the course of the treatment plan. So you have the biopsy, then you do the lumpectomy, then you do the um, port surgery, then you start chemo, then you, um, six rounds of chemo, four week rest, uh, surgery, mastectomy, then you do you know a three to four week rest depending on what's going on and then radiation for six weeks. And it was brutal, y'all. It, December 30th to August 16th, August 16th was my last day of radiation and we had family photos done and I will always look at those family photos and remember that was the last day of radiation and I'm glad that it's documented because looking at the photos you'd never really know (laughs) but it's documented and I survived. My body still has complications. And there's a lot of things I'm still learning for, you know, life after cancer. And of course, I will do a a podcast on that as well, too, because there's a lot of information out there about that. And then a lot of people in rural places and like Wyoming that don't get to have those conversations because they only see the local doctors. Well, guess what? The local oncologists don't talk about nutrition with you. And that's a huge aspect as well too. And so I have a lot of soap boxes because of this, and I have a lot of information that I'm learning um, and teaching myself. Um, but man, all the glory to God, I survived. I have an amazing support system and I've, completed my reconstruction surgery now and it's nice to have my other breast removed for preventative things because I stated from the very beginning of this journey and I've documented all of this on Facebook to share with people um, about this journey. Um, take them. They they did. They did and served three amazing and incredible little boys. They did their job. It was like super super great and i am so glad that they are out of my body and it's taken care of like i cannot tell you the relief when i woke up and said my breast my right breast is gone and i no longer have to worry about breast tissue in there it's gone There's not this little tiny or this massive risk or however you want to describe it, but there's just, there's no risk. The risk has been very limited to a very small percentage, and I am very grateful because of that. So needless to say, here I am, 34 years old. It's been an entire year. I had surgery for my mastectomy, I believe, a year ago. May 14th, yeah, 2021 was the surgery. And I had surgery for reconstruction April 27th, 2022. And life is vastly different. My body feels different, but also good at the same time. Um, I'm grateful for life, grateful for the things that I have. And I just look forward to all the things to come. So more to share with you all soon. Stay tuned. I'm hoping to post at least one podcast a week. Um, maybe more. I think this week I'm going to do another one, but, um, I look forward to chatting with you guys. Be well and stay mindful.